Hi, this is Lena Steiner. We're currently stationed in Washington, D.C. and loving every second of it. You're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the Hi, this is Julia Casella, the 2015 Armed Forces Insurance National Guard Spouse of the Year, and I just wanted to give a shout out to all the wonderful Army and Air National Guard spouses out there. Hi, this is Lena Steiner. Shout out to uh, Susan Brown, who continues to be just a wonderful source of support for Corey and I. She really turned my opinion of the Army around. I was pretty negative about the whole prospect. And when they took over, it's like a light switch went on. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be so bad. (laughs) And there are people who are, are kind and smart and funny and and want me to be a part of it too. And, and that was a great feeling. So being so welcomed by both Susan and Colonel Brown was just so huge. I don't think she'll ever know how much changed my perspective. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. You guys have been great supporters in the past year of this podcast, and I've appreciated the amount of shares that you've given, the shout outs that you've provided. It's been a really wonderful place for me to not only speak to all of you and feel like we're having a conversation over a cup of coffee, um, but also to hear your wonderful shout outs and your encouragement to each other. It's one of my favorite things that... I've gotten to do with this podcast, and I hope it's something that we can continue. If you have good friends, especially military spouses, that you want to thank for how they support you and how they have walked with you in some very difficult times, I would love for you to call in or send in an email of your recording of your shout out so we can include those in the podcast. So I've thought a lot about what this episode should be about. And I've gotten some great ideas from all of you out there on topics that you would like to hear me talk about and interviews that you would like to see me do. And speaking of which, I have some absolutely incredible interviews that are coming. I am beyond excited. In fact, I am so excited about some of these interviews that I'm kind of panicking over my technology and seeing what I need to do to bump up the quality of my technology for fear that I might interview someone spectacular and absolutely lose the interview or the sound quality not be good. So I am really excited about the next year of some of the interviews that I'm going to be able to share with you. Um, I'm going to keep them a secret though, so you're just going to have to stay tuned. But I will tell you that they are huge and um I remember making a dream list at the beginning of making this podcast of who I'd like to interview. And I will tell you, I didn't even think of some of these amazing people that I'm getting to interview, but they are well, they are well on my dream list. And I am on my way towards reaching some of those goals for um, some incredible people that I know will encourage you and lift your spirits and um, really help us kind of circle the wagons and realize that, you know, a lot of us find ourselves in the same place in life and struggling with some of the same things and finding ways to overcome them. So the mission behind this podcast continues to be enriching and encouraging your marriage. I know that our lifestyle, along with the lifestyle of a lot of our first responder families can be very challenging. And it's really important to me more than ever, especially after this past year, that I give you tips and topics that will really enrich your relationships and help your family succeed. That's my overall goal is to try some of these things out on my own relationship um, and also the relationships that I've gotten to work with in a counseling setting and extend those to you and, and hopefully leave you more encouraged than when you started the podcast to begin with. So Going back again to today's episode, I thought a lot about what I wanted to talk about with you today, and I decided that after this tremendous year of serving as this Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year, I thought that I would be a little bit more vulnerable with you and share with you what I learned, some of the top lessons that I learned in the past year. It was 
an absolute whirlwind is the best way to describe this past year. There was not much time for rest. There was lots of traveling. um, And there was two PCS moves in the year as well. It was not the best time for our family to go through such a radical change and have these opportunities open up to me. But it's definitely something that Matt and I look back on and are extremely grateful for and um, blessed for not only what we learned, but the opportunities that we've had to really make a difference in other people's lives. So I'm going to be a little more vulnerable with you um, because, in fact, you're going to see that that's one of the things that I learned is that that's what you guys want to hear. You want to hear real stories. You want to hear real struggle. You want to hear um, stories that mimic your own life that you can relate to. And so I hope that some of my story will resonate with you. And some of the lessons that I learned, maybe there'll be things that you need to hear about today that will encourage you to maybe make a decision that you need to make to to move forward and make changes in the relationships that you have around you. I don't know what it is that's on your heart today and what it is that you feel like you really need to hear today. So I'm just going to trust and pray that whatever it is that I share today will hopefully encourage you in some way. So I'm not going to take time to really go back and tell you everything that I did in the last year because, you know, a few months ago, Armed Forces Insurance asked me to write out, you know, a synopsis of the opportunities that I got to do, the, the groups of people that I was able to talk to, and I took the time to write that list or that summary out of just how grateful I was for all the things that I got to do and submitted that to them for their annual report. And I remember writing it going, wow, I have really done a lot this year. And I don't say that in a bragging sort of way. I say that as like, I can't believe I made it through the year, to be honest. Um, But then a couple weeks ago, when I was in Washington, D.C. for the 2016 AFI Military Spouse of the Year Awards, before I got up to deliver my speech, that was a um, kind of a farewell speech, if you will, Um, General Parks from Armed Forces Insurance got up and read what I had written about all the things that I had accomplished in the year um, to let everybody know, you know, how the year had gone. And I I turned over to Matt while he was reading this off and I turned to Matt and I whispered in his ear, "Um, this is really long. I know because I wrote it. I can't believe they're going to read all of this. And he whispered back to me, did you happen to write in there the need for an intermission? And so (laughs) that's how long it was. But I will tell you that I traveled a lot each month. Um, I averaged probably two trips a month. I know in October last year, I traveled every week. It was like four times that month. That was probably the most intense number of trips that I took. Um, But obviously, each trip that I took, I thought, this is it. This is going to be the peak of my year. This is the challenge that I'm being asked to do for this particular assignment, this trip or this speech or this, you know, whatever it was that I was being tasked to do. I thought, this is going to be the peak of it. This is, you know, it's all going to be like downhill from here. And sure enough, the next week, some other opportunity would come in that would be greater in responsibility or more challenging for me to prepare for than the one before it. And I also found that each week and each opportunity, had I not gone through it, would I wouldn't have been prepared for the next one. And I learned to embrace that and find it endearing as I moved towards the end of the year because I was eventually grateful for each opportunity because each opportunity what it rebuilt in me and the character that it painstakingly built in me during that time prepared me to really go into the next opportunity with the grit and the courage to go through it again in a different way. I don't want that at all to sound like it was a a bad year. It was an incredible year, but I think most of you have had seasons in your life. Maybe you're in that season right now where Whatever it is that you're going through, it's it's asking a lot of you. It's asking a lot to find the courage that you need to have in order to get through something difficult or challenging, or maybe it's just something you've never done before. So let me give you an example. In October, I had 
the honor of being on a panel at the AUSA conference in Washington, D.C. And at the time that I accepted the opportunity to do it, I thought, sure, you know, they want a six-minute speech and a panel discussion. Um, That definitely seems like something I can do. I had not looked up what the AUSA conference was when I said yes. (laughs) And I don't regret saying yes at all. But when I looked it up and got more information on this conference, 26 thousand people show up for this conference every year. And let's just say I had a little bit of a panic attack. Like now I know I wasn't going to be speaking to 26,000 people. But these are some of the highest ranking key leader, even civilian leaders um, in our army, and in our military in general that attend this conference in order to figure out what we can do to make our military better. And here I was, this this person who just a year ago was sitting in a tiny counseling office with colleagues that wouldn't even listen to her when, when I had new ideas for how to reach the military or how to make our practice even better. Here I was talking now to some of our biggest leaders in in our nation on what we could do to serve our military families better. So let's just say I was a little bit overwhelmed And a little bit wondering if I had what it took to accomplish this task. And um, it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of grit. Um, It is really true that the shorter your speech is, the more work it takes to refine it and get it right. And so it felt like to write a six-minute speech, it felt like I was writing a dissertation. And I worked months and months on a six-minute speech. And all I can tell you is that the character development that I went through, even just for that one opportunity, was gut-wrenching. Like the times that I wanted to panic, the times that I wanted to just scrap the speech altogether and just get up and say whatever, you know, and not be prepared and not be professional. Um, the questions of why me? Why was I getting this opportunity and not someone else? There were times throughout the year that it felt like I was being gutted like a fish and rebuilt from the inside out on who I was, who did I believe that I was, what does it mean to have confidence, what is this shame that I have inside myself of not thinking that I'm good enough or smart enough or whatever it is that we all struggle with. All of those questions had to be addressed Uh, What is it that I stood for? What was I going to answer if people asked me difficult questions? What is it that I believed in? Walking out of these experiences or allowing these experiences to help me become a better person. So each experience I thought was going to be the peak of it and that it would all be downhill after that. Of course, my year of opportunities continued to expand. Even, you know, I had planned with Matt that by mid-November, Matt and I had agreed that I would not travel and not take on any more responsibilities uh, from the mid-November through the holidays until the end of January because we needed to move around mid-December. So he and I made an agreement that I would not say yes to anything else that came in until we had moved and settled our family. Well, of course, one day I get a call from Kate, the editor-in-chief at Military Spouse Magazine, and later a call from the Secretary of Defense's office about this opportunity to travel overseas. Of course, you can imagine me pacing in my bedroom waiting for Matt to come home from work after we had decided that I would not travel anywhere and not say yes to anything, and yet how do you say no to the Secretary of Defense? And I remember pacing in my room going, you know, Matt's going to kill me. And at the same time, he's I know what he's going to say, which is what he said. You, Of course, you don't say no to the Secretary of Defense. This is not something you say no to. And of course, um, that trip, I thought for sure, was going to be the peak of my experiences that year. And the amount of change that it brought in my life is exponential and um, is really where the book that I've written, Sacred Spaces, that comes out August 1st, is really what what it's about, is the change that happened in me and my perspective of myself and my perspective of being a military spouse and even my perspective of marriage, how all of that shifted just because of this trip. And what started off as writing blogs in my YouTube channel and making videos and 
being vulnerable with you about that journey, I can tell you that there was no way to include all of what I was learning in even just those platforms that I was trying to use. And that's where the book came from. And um, in some ways, in a lot of ways, writing the book throughout the month of January and into February really eclipsed even the trip as the peak of my experiences because it really was rebuilding myself and really refining a part of me that I didn't know I had left to refine after a year of so much character growth that this book would be kind of a completion of the year of how I changed as a person over the course of this year. And so I will let you know a little bit more about the book as at the end of this episode, but um, I can assure you that it was probably the peak of everything that I experienced. So I decided let's go ahead and get into here are the top five things that I've learned in the past year from being the 2015 military spouse of the year. And, you know, I think a lot of these things that I learned aren't just because I was given that award. I think there are things that all of us need to learn. And there are things that I think all of us hopefully do learn at some point in our life. This just happened to be the year that I felt like I went through all of them. So, okay, so here it is. Number five is that you cannot do life without an inner circle. Now, I always knew it was important to have a village. It was always important for me to keep my close friends close to me. But I will tell you that this year has really made me appreciate in such a huge way what an inner circle is and how much we need them. When I was given the award back in May, Matt immediately took my phone from me out of love and over the next 48 hours managed my Facebook account, my emails, any social media that was coming in because it was such a flurry of friend requests and people and comments and so much to manage that it, it was this feeling of an immediate circle that was expanding, a circle of influence that was expanding that I don't know if I could have prepared myself for. And there was a huge temptation this past year for me to put on this perfect picture and perfect image of myself and, and display that out to the world. And in some ways, you know, people had already done that with me, considering that I am a counselor and works with marriages and works with people going through tough times. You know, that was something that I had to um, work on already, even with my clients to assure them that, you know, I may be a counselor and I can help people find their way through difficult times and provide tools and tips. And there are certain things that I definitely feel that I'm talented or gifted in. But that doesn't mean that I'm a perfect person. That doesn't mean that I don't struggle myself with certain insecurities, or with even issues in my own marriage. And that it was really tempting for other people to think that I had it all together because why wouldn't a counselor have it all together? And I can assure you that we don't. In fact, counselors need to go to counselors who work with counselors as clients because it's really easy, believe me, to walk into a counseling office because I've done this and feel like I should know how to handle whatever it is that's going in my life and ask myself, what would I say to a client um, when it's much harder when it's your own life. And I think all of you can understand that when you've tried to give advice to a friend and yet it's the same advice that for some reason you just can't take yourself and make those changes in your own life. We all know what it looks like to eat healthy and exercise, but for some reason it's harder to motivate ourselves. And so thus my need for an inner circle I so learned to pull that inner circle together and value them to not only love my friends, to also be there for my friends when they needed me, even though my life was busy, um, but also the importance of, of having an inner circle in your life. And so I thought I would just kind of give you a couple tips on what I learned about what it means to have an inner circle. You know, especially military spouses, when you travel and relocate a lot, it's really easy to keep adding people into your life um, and your list of friends and acquaintances just grows and grows over time. And we try to keep track of our social media and um, and those all of those friendships and relationships are incredibly important. 
and we should be maintaining those friendships and we should be getting out of our homes to have coffee and playdates and dinners with with all of these friends that we've made. But there's also something really important and special about having a very close inner circle of friends who will allow you to be as vulnerable as you need to be, as broken as you need to be, as imperfect as you need to be, and who are not swayed by anything that's going on in your life. I so desperately needed at various moments throughout this past year to make a phone call to some of those on my inner circle and just vent or talk about how overwhelmed I was or how I couldn't believe how was I going to get on a giant 747 that had United States of America plastered on the side of it And who am I to get on this plane? And I don't even know how to behave on a plane like that. And, you know, all the insecurity that stirs up within me and to be able to call a friend and go, I'm terrified. I don't know if I can do this well. And to have a friend listen and encourage and pray for you. And it's just the most priceless thing in the world. And um, so I am encouraging all of you out there to identify who is in your inner circle. These are people that you trust to be yourself around. Um, These are people that also, though, can hold you accountable so that if you are bleeding too much for too long, they can be the people in your life that say, hey, it's time for it to be about someone else other than you right now. And I reached out several times to those in my inner circle and asked for accountability in this past year because I needed somebody to be able to speak Um, difficult truth to me. In fact, it was one of them that said to me, hey, you need to be normal. You need to be flawed and people need to see you that way. And it was that hard truth that helped me not only get through writing a very vulnerable book about my insecurities and my own issues, um, but also being able to even share today and share some of the things that were the most vulnerable changes that I went through this past year. So um, they also need to like who you are, even when you're not likable. And so if you don't have an inner circle, if you don't know who those people are, I challenge you to do the hard work that you need to do to figure out who those people are and to let them know that they are in your inner circle and that you give them permission to speak difficult truth in your life and to point out when you're being selfish or to be those people that you reach out to when you need help. Those people that you reach out to and say, I need you to pray for me because I don't know what to do and I need somebody to be on my side and be on my team and help me get through this difficult time. So um, to all of my inner circle that was out there that supported and encouraged me, to my village in general that I met along the way that just stepped in right when God needed to bring somebody into my life and encourage me. Um, I can't tell you how thankful I have been for you. And that also leads me to extend a huge thank you to even some of the people that I met casually along the way. I can't tell you how many people have said something to me that was exactly what I needed to hear right in that moment. And they may have had no idea that I needed to hear it. And I hope that in the last year, my efforts to thank military spouses for how hard you work, for how important and how valuable you are to the overall mission. I hope that you've heard that thank you loud and clear. And if not, then stick around because (laughs) I hope to continue to do that. All right, number four, as far as the biggest lessons that I learned in the last year, the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. Now, I'm sure that you guys have heard that quote a million times, and you should know that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. But I can tell you from being on the other side of the fence, the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. You know, I remember years ago when I was at home with my kids, and I had a very difficult toddler that didn't want to do anything that I said. We were going through some difficult deployments, and I was at home, and my career was not going anywhere, and I couldn't stay in one place long enough to get my license, you know, in a state where I could then practice. And I remember I loved staying home. I loved being home. But there was a stirring inside of me that wanted something more, that wanted something um, outside of the home. 
And I don't think that I was wrong for wanting that at all. But I will say that now that I've gotten to experience what it's like to not only be outside of the home working, but to have opportunities to travel and go to cool places and go to the you know Middle East and do all these really wonderful things. And I really realized by the end of the year that the grass was greenest and always has been greenest at home. There are so many times that I sat in a hotel room exhausted and where I really wanted to be was in my own bed. And that's not to say that I, I am giving up on the calling that I have been called to um, because I'm excited about the things that are ahead. But I think that what it did in a bigger way is change my perspective that all these things that I wanted to do outside of the home that I that would bring me purpose. Um, and in a lot of ways, it fulfilled a calling in me to want to encourage other people in their relationships and in their marriages and in their families, it did fulfill that calling. But I think that it gave me a clearer perspective that the most important calling on my life is my family. And that where I wanted most to be at the end of all of that was at home with the people that I loved, doing well with the responsibility of what had already been given me. I found a quote recently that said, you may think the grass is greener on the other side, but if you take the time to water your own grass, it would be just as green. And I have to say that by the end of this year, I absolutely agree with that. I think that by the end, I was tired enough from going around that I was ready for a rest. I was ready to be home. But more than anything, I wanted to be intentional. I wanted to be more specifically intentional on my marriage and mothering my boys and being there for them when they needed me to pick them up from school when they were sick and being able to say, yes, I can go on that field trip because I don't have something else happening in my life. Um, Now, that doesn't say that those of you who are working outside of the home that you shouldn't enjoy that and shouldn't pursue your career. What I am saying, because I'm not giving up on what it is that God has called me to do even in the next year, whatever that looks like. But what I am saying is that we need to remember that our biggest responsibility is what's going on inside of our own home and that that is the place that needs to bring us the most joy. And as much as I enjoyed all of the things that I got to do, um, if I felt so pulled in that direction that my life became out of balance, that's when I realized that what I wanted most was to figure out a better way to balance it all so that I was succeeding at home. You know, Matt used to tell me that his soldiers would say, you can be a great soldier, a great service member, or you can be a great dad, but you can't be both at the same time. And I will say that those of us who are moms or wives, we could probably say that we feel that push and pull too, that our greatest success, I think, in life is finding a way to balance it all, because I also wouldn't say that it's healthy to Pour yourself so much into your family that you don't have anything for you and you're not taking care of yourself. The most important thing is how do we find the balance that we need in order to be successful at all of it? And I think for me, definitely this year, I had the experience of kind of going to an extreme where what was happening with me outside of the house really was tempting me to shift things out of focus and have things out of balance. And there were many times that Matt had to come to me and say, hey, an adjustment needs to happen here because, you know, he was taking on a lot at home and he was the one that was having to be flexible. In a lot of ways, our roles reversed. And there was a lot of times I felt like I was I did not have the ability to say no to certain things, um, such as to the secretary of defense. You know, that's that's not something that both of us felt like we could say no to. And I assure you throughout the year, every opportunity that came up, I spoke with Matt about that and we talked about it together and decided yes or no, if this was good for us. But we did learn that the most important thing was how do we balance things at home and make sure that what's happening in the home is successful first. So finding contentment where you are and with what you have and building that first in your home is crucial because if you don't have it there, you're not going to have it anywhere else. And so that was number four. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Number three, as far as the biggest lessons that I learned this year, is that there are a lot of things that I think that I have control over that I really do not have control over. 
And um, the best way I can describe that is there's a scripture verse out of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 16, 9 that says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And I will definitely say that in the past year, I learned that I can try my best to be responsible for what life has handed me and what God has handed me. But I will definitely say I realized that I don't have control over everything that happens in my life and control over everything that I wish that happens in my life moving forward. I learned that God has complete authority over everything that's been allowed to happen in my life. And that may be too spiritual for some of you guys out there. But when I did the survey, actually, of what you guys would like to see me do more of, overwhelmingly, people wanted to hear more from a faith perspective. And so I'm coming out a little bit more today about where my faith is and how it was challenged and how it grew in the past year. And this was a big one for me. I knew that God had authority in my life. I knew that he allows things to happen in my life. I don't believe he's a God that inflicts things on me. Um, I also believe that I am a person who can bring consequences into my life and that um, God allows me to have to wrestle with those consequences for behaviors and, and actions that I do that can bring negative consequences. But I also know that nothing happens unless God approves for it to happen first. And there were so many times that I wanted to control what happened next, um, that maybe I wanted something to work out and then it wouldn't, or times that I was tempted to force things to happen or force decisions to be made. And I had no control over whether or not it would happen. And what I learned, especially in hindsight, is that God had complete control over my entire year that he sustained me through the prayer of, of people who were praying for me the entire year, that there were so many moments that I remember praying and asking God to, to allow things to slow down because they were not things, again, that I felt like were things to say no to. Everything I said yes to, I felt, you know, I did say no to some things, but the things that I said yes to were things that I deeply felt like they were things I was supposed to do and needed to do and had God's blessing to do and also had Matt's blessing to do. In the midst of all of that, there were times when I asked God for a break. I asked him to help me slow things down, that it was almost too much at times. But what I learned in hindsight was that God needed to show me that he could sustain me through the prayers of other people, through the encouragement of other people. What that taught me was that I have a much bigger God who is much better at handling things in life than me. And that I learned to trust him and I learned to lean on him when I had no words left, when I had no vision for what was next and what needed to happen next, that he supplied that through other people sometimes, through his words sometimes, but that he was the one that was in charge and not me. And it's amazing to me how there's been seasons in my life where I felt like God was really like not doing anything and I wasn't hearing him. I didn't know where he was. I knew he was out there, but I just didn't feel like he was answering prayers. And I remember asking him at various seasons of my life, you know, what are you doing? Can you speed things up a little bit here? And then to have gone through the last year where I was like, okay, I'm just kidding. Like everything needs to slow down like this. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> Such as, you know, when we fervently felt like we were honoring God by saying we were going to slow down from mid-November to January and take care of our family and I remember clearly hearing God in my time with him, in my prayer time with him that said, I'm not ready for you to take a break yet. It's not time yet. And of course, what followed was this trip to the Middle East. And, and what followed from that was a book that I think inspires us to really take all of our marriages to a whole new level. And none of that would have happened if I had been in control. And so one of the biggest lessons that I learned this year is that I don't have as much control as I think I do. And I'm learning to appreciate the process of respecting God's authority in my life and his timing as well. And that oftentimes we won't understand his timing until we have hindsight. But if we can just hold on and just trust that he's doing something and he's moving pieces and that there is reasons why he's not letting up or there's reasons why he's allowing us to walk through the consequences that we have in our life right now, and that he can bring good and purpose out of whatever is going on in our life, good or bad, and that his ultimate goal is that we would take whatever it is that we're going through in life 
and find ways to serve other people out of it. And that that's how we can honor the suffering that we've experienced and also honor the joy that we've also been allowed to experience too, that we are not a lone island. We are here on this earth with the purpose of sharing that joy with other people. So that was number three. Number two of the top five biggest lessons I learned in the last year is that people want real, imperfect, flawed examples of other people in their life in front of them to do life with. As I said earlier, it was very tempting for me this year to try to appear to be perfect, to have it all together. People would ask me to write articles about counseling or marriage tips. And, you know, I did my best to provide those tips and be professional. And of course, I want to be able to offer professional advice as to here's some things that you can do to make your marriage great, to be a better parent. Um, But I can tell you that none of those tips None of that advice has come from me being perfect and having it all together. And and I've done my best to also not offer advice that's just straight out of a textbook if it's not something that I've kind of seen in my own life or found it useful in my own life. My style is to be very real with people and say, hey, we don't have it together. We have our own issues that we work through. In fact, you know, even through PCSing twice this past year, at the beginning of the year of the MSOI year, I was doing an interview with somebody and they said, what are you going to do with your next year? And I said, you know, if I'm going to ask other people to go get counseling, even if it's just for a checkup in their life, then I need to be willing to show that I can do the same thing. And so I said, I'm going to go find a counselor and get counseling myself. And then we ended up moving twice. I can tell you now that where we are, we have finally been able to find a counselor to just go and just talk about our life and talk about our own issues and do that hard work that it takes all of our marriages to do to work things out and learn to communicate better and all that to say that I'm not perfect. And I'm glad that I'm not perfect. And that what you guys want to see is somebody that's not perfect. You also don't want to see me though bleeding all over you. And I think there's a difference. And so I learned this past year, that it's okay for me to be me. It's okay for me to be vulnerable and share the things that I struggle with. So I've learned that people really respect and value those, especially in leadership positions, who are able to be vulnerable and not bleeding at the same time. An example of that is some of our military leaders who've come out and said that they have gone to counseling themselves and that they're urging their other service members to go and get counseling if they need it. That's a really good example of saying, hey, I'm imperfect. I struggle with my own stuff. I'm not going to share all of my most intimate struggles with you um, because it's not appropriate. But at the same time, I want to show that even leaders, even people that are successful in their career or have been put in positions of leadership that we're all normal, we're all flawed, we all need each other, and we all are better when we have a community of people around us. So I have thoroughly enjoyed in the last year sharing stories with other people, hearing other people's stories of imperfection, of struggle, of their insecurities, of what it means to be a military spouse, of trying to figure out this whole thing about being married to a service member, especially being married to a service member who has some form of combat stress or PTSD or Um, any of the other consequences of war or of this lifestyle that we struggle with. And um, I've enjoyed those stories and I've enjoyed those people who have had the courage to say, I don't have it together, but I'm doing my best to figure it out. And I join all of those people in sharing that story. For those of you who order the, the book that's coming out, Sacred Spaces, it is the most vulnerable story that I can share with you about how war affected my husband, how it affected me, how it affected our relationship, and how going overseas impacted all of that in my life in a very vulnerable way. I don't think that there is a more raw way that I could share all of that with you than what was written in that book. So I'm trusting and believing that that's what everybody wants to see, because that's what I like to see. I like to see people who are just normal people because it validates um, my existence in this world too, to realize that they're not perfect and it gives me permission to not be perfect either. The number one thing, and this is a big one, that I learned in this past year is how to be a better wife. 
I wish I had all the answers for all of you out there to how to make your marriage great. I can tell you based on my number two answer that I'm still figuring that out. But I can tell you that the biggest thing I learned this year was a painful one, not because I experienced consequences, but just because of the challenges that I went through of I, I had to really take a good hard look at myself in the mirror this past year and see some of my flaws and see what does it mean for me to learn how to be a better wife. To be the person who was getting to travel a lot and do really cool things and go really cool places and to see my husband just serve and give and take care of the house and take care of the kids and and put things in the crock pot and be the one to pick up my boys when somebody was sick at school or um, the way that he served and loved me and supported me in this past year, even when it was very difficult on him to do it, um, really convicted me and showed me a lot of what it means to love through a very difficult season. And even going on this trip overseas um, to sit in a, in a plane or in a helicopter overseas and think about my own husband being in that same situation, sitting in a plane just like that after he had gone through the grief of losing a soldier very close to him or being tasked to do some of the things that he had to do as a chaplain. Um, you know, my main project in all of that was to think about what it was like for him and put myself in his shoes and then to write about that with the hopes of maybe putting it into words for us military spouses in ways that we could understand it better. What I didn't expect in that whole project was to put myself in his shoes and to work so hard at doing that, that ultimately I found myself looking in the mirror and seeing myself. And that's what marriage is. That's what marriage does. And that's why it's so hard. It was in the process of thinking about what it was like for Matt through deployment and through reintegration, ultimately, I saw his perspective of me. And I began to ask myself some really tough questions about um, times that I could have served him more. Um, when I see him serving me so diligently and without complaint, you know, it causes me to ask myself the question, do I serve him that way? Do I serve him without complaint? Do I do everything that I can to make it possible for him to reach his dreams and fulfill his calling? When I thought about what it was like for him during deployment, I know I did a lot of things right, but I was also able to see, wow, there were so many things I didn't understand and that I couldn't have understood at the time that I can see now that I could have done better. I could have loved him better, that there were things that he was asking from me and telling me ways that I could love him more and support him more. And because maybe I didn't understand them or because maybe they weren't convenient for me, I didn't really work very hard to do the things that he had been asking me to do. And I found myself looking in a mirror and realizing how selfish I was. And that was a very painful, painful thing for me to go through. It's excruciating to look at yourself in the mirror and realize Wow, I'm a whole lot more selfish than I realized. And in those moments, which there were many in this past year, um, I had to make the choice of allowing myself to spiral into this place of shame of, oh, I'm just a horrible person and I'm a horrible wife and how could he love me? And, you know, I just can't do anything right. You know, I could have gone down that road, but I knew that if I went down that road, it would have been even more selfish than where I found myself initially. So the only other choice was for me to instead allow me to feel the guilt, which was that I had done some things wrong in some cases, or I had done some things unknowingly wrong that I now saw more clearly. And I could take that guilt and conviction and choose to do something different with it. And I could start doing things better. I'm not sure which is harder, to see your own selfishness or to decide to do something different and actually put forth the intentionality to actually make change happen in your life. And so here I am. I am at the end of an incredible year, a whirlwind of a year, realizing some really wonderful things about myself that I have more courage than I ever had before. I have more grit than I ever had before. I am more sure of who I am and what I believe in. I am more sure of what it is that my calling is. Um, but also at the same time, realizing what I'm capable of, how selfish I'm capable of being, how 
I sometimes still will choose to work on emails when I could be spending time with my kids, when I can get caught up in a project, when I told myself I was going to work on something in the house to serve my family. And that's something I know all of us struggle with. And it's not something for us to battle shame over. It's something for us to take a good hard look at and and ask ourselves, what is it that I'm working towards? What is my calling and what what is my priority for the day? And how can I best love the people that are in front of me? And so I've seen the best and worst of myself in the past year. And I think if I ever saw any of you in person and you asked how I was doing, and if I looked at you and said, I'm tired, I can tell you that my fatigue that I have experienced is not so much because of the travel schedule. It's not because of the projects that I've done. It has been because I feel like I have been through a change of character that has been so continuous and so big that it took a level of energy and heart that I've never experienced before in my life, but that I'm also incredibly grateful for and incredibly excited about what God intends to do with it. So to close out our time together, I wanted to share with you briefly about what I believe this next year holds for me. I'm not going to give you huge specifics because, like I said before, I completely know that God has complete authority over what actually happens. But I can tell you that for right now, I'm very excited about doing more for our marriages and not just military marriages, but also our first responder marriages. My eyes have been opened this year to the stress that our first responder marriages are going through and the fact that they have little support and much less benefits than we as military members have. And so I hope to reach out to a lot of our first responder marriages to encourage them and give them the hope that I'm also trying to give to our military marriages. The book, Sacred Spaces, is already available for order, and the first shipment of the books will be going out July 15th with an official launch of August 1st. And um, right now, I'm accepting applications for those who'd like to be on the launch team. This book, as I said before, is, is a very raw, vulnerable story of Matt and I and some of the experiences that we had through deployment and through reintegration. And it's told through the lens of emails that um, he shared with me and we shared back and forth during those deployments, as well as what I learned while I was on this trip overseas and how it changed me and changed my perspective. I can tell you that this is not about me selling books, that this is more about shifting our perspective on our marriages. This next year for me is all about being intentional. And I want to challenge all of you listening to ask yourselves, what can I do to be more intentional in my marriage today? And my challenge to you surrounding this book is to put the word out that changing your marriage starts with being intentional. It takes two things to change the direction of your marriage into a healthier place. Two things, and that's it. One, showing up. It is showing up, and sometimes it looks like listening to your spouse Sometimes that looks like just being present and talking about the things that you need to talk about. But all of us have to show up. Number two, it takes serving. It takes giving to your spouse when you think it's your turn. It takes serving them even when when you're exhausted and you think that you have nothing left to give. It just takes two things. Will you be the first person to show up? Will you be the first person to serve? So this year is about being intentional. I want to start a campaign this year and challenge us all to be intentional in our relationships, in our marriages, and only you know what that first step is. What is the first step of you being intentional in your marriage? Is it that you've been talking about needing date nights and you haven't just done them? Be intentional. Start scheduling the date nights. Budget the money you need for a babysitter to start allowing you and your spouse to go on a date. Others of you have been talking about counseling forever for yourself or marriage counseling or getting your child into counseling. Whatever it is, counseling has been on your mind. Be intentional. Schedule the sessions that you need to schedule. And if you go to one counselor and it doesn't seem like the right fit, by the way, give them about five sessions before you make a change to get to know them. But if they don't seem like the right fit, be intentional and keep searching until you find the right person. Others of you have stopped pursuing your spouse's heart for whatever reason, whether you're resentful, whether you're tired, 
whether you feel like you've done all the work, whatever it is, some of you have stopped pursuing your marriage. And I'm asking you to be intentional. I'm asking you to be the first person to show up and be the first person to serve, even though you feel entitled to be the person that served yourself. That's what marriage is. Marriage is hard. It's about iron sharpens iron, and it is built to be hard so that we become the better versions of ourselves. And so I'm asking all of you out there to join this campaign with me. Be part of the launch team on this book. Let's take part in being intentional in our own relationships first, and then let's go out into our circles, into our villages, into our inner circles, encourage each other to be intentional too. That's what this is about, and that's what I believe is going to start shifting the marriages in our military, in our first responder families, and even in our communities. But it's really simple. It's just asking, will you be intentional with the forethought and the work ethic to say, I'm going to take something that I want and need to have happen in my life and actually do what it takes to actually see it happen. So with that, be intentional, go forth out into your day, serve your spouse, love your spouse, show up for your spouse, be intentional in a way that will start to shift things for you. Will you join me? I hope that you will place an order for the book. And I hope that you will help me spread the word by joining the launch team. Thank you for all of your support, for letting me be vulnerable with you, for giving me the opportunity to encourage you throughout the year. I look forward to doing that more in the next year to come. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706-431-7222 and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.